I have the privilege this morning of introducing a person I have known for several years. He's here with us from CCF Manila. He and his partner Dan are headed to San Diego for a seminar for youth pastors. He's one of my disciples from CCF Manila. Some of the music that we've been singing here, he's really behind that. We just killed the the vocals, so hindi halata. But without further ado, will you please welcome the youth leader of CCF Maine. Please welcome Marty Okaya. Hello, hello. Ayan. Good morning, everyone. And I'm so happy, I'm so glad to be here. Again, my name is Marty Okaya. The reason why I'm repeating that again, because maybe some of you may be thinking this is the first time you've seen me and you say, I saw that person in the Philippines in television. I think that that's ding dong. Okay, so I really need to clarify that. So again, I'm not that person, and uh, I'm not related to to him. I'm better looking, as you can see. I'm just kidding. So anyway, so um, I heard that it's gonna be your anniversary next week. You're gonna celebrate your third. This is your third year. So happy anniversary, advance happy anniversary. And I'm really happy what God, what God has been doing here in CCFLA. And you know, every anniversary, it's really a sign of celebration. It's a sign that God is doing so many great things, not just in Manila. By the way, greetings from CCF Maine, but also what's happening here in, in LA or here in the US because God is really moving. But you know what I realized? Every anniversary also is a time to think. The time to really reflect what's happening in my life. For example, for the married couples in your anniversary, what's happening in our marriage? Are we growing in our love for one another? Or for any company that's celebrating their anniversary, what's happening in this company? Did we grow? Did we expand? Did we improve? And also there's that question, what's going to happen next year? What's going to happen in the next anniversary and even here at CCF that's why I entitled this message for today passing the baton can you just say that with me passing the baton that's very very important this passing of the baton we got this from this sport called a 400 meter relay that's the concept of this one and the the mindset here is the person will pass the baton to the other runner so that they can finish the entire relay not one person should finish it. That's why it's called a relay. You got to pass it on. And the rule here is this one. The person at the back who's holding first the baton should run as fast as he can, not slow down. And his mindset is he should go further away from the person that he's going to pass the baton to. That's his mindset. I should, be, I should run past that person. That's his mindset. And the person that's going to receive the baton, his mindset is, I should run as fast as I can so that the person that's going to pass the baton to me would not catch up. That's the mindset. And you know what I realize in this sport is there is proper communication. There is trust. As you can see, the person that's received the baton doesn't look back. You cannot look back and say, oh, you're here. No, you're going to lose. You're going to lose from the other players, from the other, your opponents. The mindset is you don't look back. You just run as fast as you can and just you put your hand at the back and trust that the person at the back would pass it on to you. And that's a great concept in terms of the previous generation and the next generation. 
There should be trust. There should be proper communication. There should be understanding. But you know, here's, what, here's the thing. Here's what I realized. There's a gap, a huge gap between the before and the now. You might be thinking, am I in the before? Mind and now. You see me, Pastor Insong, Pastor Dan, we're in the now. Okay, so we're in, right? We're in the now. So anyway, so you might be saying, okay, whatever your position is, either you're in the before or in the now, but there's a huge gap. And you know, just for example, I realized before my, my father passed away, he loves to play piano. He loves me to play piano with him. So we play piano. And there's that huge gap in terms of music. Because my dad wants me to play, I don't know if you know this song, Usahai. Okay, so maybe you know that song if you're a Bisaya. Okay, Matud Nila. I mean, come on, what's that? So I play those songs, The Nearness of You. Okay, that's just so far. Okay, smoke gets in your eyes. Dad, I don't want smoke to get in my eyes. So anyway, so those are the songs that he wants me to play. But during that time, my generation during that time, what do we love to listen to? On Bended Knees by Boys to Men, right? I hear some people here with the same generation as I am. Some people, the Backstreet Boys, right? And that's the before generation from, for some of the generations here. Because some of you, you listen to Katy Perry. You listen to Justin Bieber. That's your music. I mean, come on, just in music, there's a huge gap. And not just in music, even in sports, there's a huge gap. Some people play patentero, agawan bass. That's what the previous generation are playing. But you know now, right? It's computer games. You got to go to Six Flags to have fun. They have a different mindset. And that's a huge problem. You know, the reason, because of this huge gap, there's that tension. Some of the, the now generation say, the before generation doesn't understand me. And the before generation says, they don't know what they're doing. And that creates a lot of problem. That creates a lot of complications in the family. That's why a lot of young people rebel. That's why a lot of families, they become broken. All because they don't deal with the gap. We need to deal with that. And the way to deal with that is both the before and the now should work together. Just like this sport. The before couldn't say, no, I'm going to run as fast as I can. I'm just going to run past over that guy. I'm not going to pass the baton. No, that doesn't work. And the now will not say, I'm not going to wait for him. I'm just going to run even if the baton is not on me. It doesn't work that way. Both parties, the before and the now, has to work together. And you know what I realized? Good thing, the Bible is not silent about this. In fact, God so purposely put this in the heart of Moses so that he could tell his people, the Israelites during that time, hey, it's not gonna, it shouldn't end with us. We gotta pass the baton. And if you have your Bibles, we're gonna look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we're gonna start with verse 1. And this is such a wonderful book. Moses wrote this. This is the background here. He wrote this so that the, previous, the next generation would know, okay, what happened before? I got to know what happened before. Because if nobody would tell them, they're going to learn from other people. They're going to get other cultures. So Moses made a decision, consulted God, and God told him, you got to write this so that the next generation will be ready. So can you just ask your seatmate, are you ready? Okay, let's go. Verse 1, this is what happened. Let's read this together. One, two, three, go. These are the commands 
decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So here's the background here. Moses already knew he's not going to enter the promised land. This is your last stop, Moses. Okay, it's over for you, but you have to pass it on because they're going to cross the Jordan River. They're going to possess the land and you have to prepare them. If you don't prepare them, then they're going to lose. They're not going to be ready. So that's the purpose. That's the reason why Moses was writing this. And look at the mindset. After he said this, Okay, these are the commands. So people were, the people were reading this. The Israelites were reading this. Okay, what are these things, Moses? What do I need to do? Then he moved to verse 2. He said, so that you, your children, and their children after them. We can see something here. We can see a great principle here. You see, Moses was the before generation. He's writing to the one, to the now generation during that time, reading this. They were the leaders. And Moses was saying, hey, I'm not going to last forever. God is going to take me home. He's finished with my task. So I got to pass this on to you. And look at the mindset. I'm going to pass this on to you, but you got to pass it on to your children. And you got to train them so that they'll pass it on to their children. See, what I'm learning here is discipleship really starts at home. That's the mindset of God. That's the plan of God. Don't allow the media, don't allow the world, don't allow any other people in this world to disciple your kids. You should be the first and foremost discipler of your kids, of your family. You see, this message is for all of us. Not just for the next generation, it's for all of us. And not just for the, now, the before generation. Because the before generation couldn't pass on something right or something that God wants if that person, that before generation, is not living that out. And the now generation wouldn't get the right kind of teaching, the right kind of life, if they are not being passed on what is right. So that's why this message is for you and for me. Whether you see yourself as a before or you see yourself as a, I'm a now generation. Maybe some of you know I'm still a now generation. You see, I'm still a now. Okay. And if there's one thing that I want you to remember here, there's just one point I want you to memorize and remember this one. It's this one. Learn what was passed on and pass on. What was learned? Can we just say that with me? One, two, three, go. Learn what was passed on and pass on what was learned. This is so important. Say that to your seatmate with more passion. One, two, three, go. Learn what was passed on and pass on what was learned. Because what did Moses say? So that you, your children, and their children after they, they may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that, look at that, I will give you long life. I mean, just reading that verse, when people were reading this, they're like, I like this, Moses, you know? I like this, I'm going to fear the Lord. You know what it means, fearing the Lord? There's that respect. There's the honoring God. You mean, it means that you're going to live a righteous life. You're going to live an orderly life because you fear God. And for them, they know that. If there's that fear of the Lord, it automatically gives a great life, a blessed life. And not just that, because of these things, if you follow these things, you may have, you may enjoy. Come among you, you want to live long. Okay, the others, they don't want. Okay, so we all want to live long. And just reading this, I bet the Israelites were so excited. I, I like that. That's why Moses was, in his mind, this is the point. Learn what was passed on. 
Learn from me. I'm the previous generation. I'm passing this on to you. But you got to do something about this. But let me just first clarify. What do you mean by learning? You see, a lot of people say, hey, you know, I learned this. I learned that. But learning is active. It's not passive. Learning is, is not just mere knowledge. It's primarily about the heart. It's not just information. It's transformation. If you learn something, it, it doesn't, didn't change your life. I don't think you've learned at all. If you learn something that you know, okay, I know God is God. He is so powerful. But it doesn't make an impact in your life. I don't think that's learning. You see, when Moses wrote these things, he was saying to this, don't just know about this. You got to learn it. And that's why we're in this series called Knowing God. Knowing God is not just knowing in the head. It's called experiential knowledge. You experience God because the more that you experience God, the more that you're going to know Him. And when I say that learning is active, it means you're going to keep on learning and applying that in your life. For example, if you want to learn how to play piano or keyboard, you, you won't learn just by looking at it. Wow, great, good job. You're going to practice it. You're not going to learn how to play basketball by just watching LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, or those sports people in basketball. Wow, I know how to shoot now. So that's how, No, you practice it. You, don't know how, you, you won't know how to really swim well if you don't practice it. That's what you call learning. And what Moses was saying here is you got to learn by applying it in your life. Right? That's what is learning. Let's say that point again. One, three, go. Learn what was passed on. Pass on what was learned. I, I really like that promise of God here. You will enjoy long life. I like that. Who doesn't want a long life? Not just a long life, but a great, blessed, long life. That's the promise of God. And I could just imagine the Israelites when they were reading this. Okay, okay, Moses, I want that life. So, so what do I do now? I'm, I'm kind of excited. I want to learn from you. What do I need to do? And look at what happened. Look at how Moses wrote these things so that these people, the one who's going to read that, will understand the point. The point is this one. In verse 4, look at how he started his teaching, how he taught the people. And when they were reading there, in verse 4, okay, okay, since you want to know this, hear, O Israel. He was talking to everyone. It's like saying, okay, guys, please listen to me. Focus here. This is very, very important. Hear, O Israel. It's a call of attention. What did Moses write there? The Lord, our God. The Lord is one. Look at how he established the first and primary most important thing. When you, the reason why I highlighted that word, Lord, because in the original text, it means Yahweh. Because during that time, the major problem of the Israelites is they have so many gods. When they go to this nation, they're worshiping another god called Baal or called another name. When they go to another nation, there's another god. So who's the real god? That's a big issue during that time. And Moses is saying, okay, okay, you want to live a long life. You want to learn from me. I came from that previous generation. You're the now. Then you got to follow who the real god is. Because the Lord, Yahweh, is our god. That's the first most important thing. The, but the question right now is to all of us, to that generation, that the way, when they were reading that, the question to them is, who is your God? Who are you following? Because who you faithfully follow reflects who your God is. 
The reason why I included that word faithfully, because we follow a lot of things, but there's something that we really faithfully follow, that whatever is happening in around our world or around our life, we just want to follow this thing or this person or who that person is. And the question is, are we following Yahweh, the one true God? Because that's what Moses was trying to to point out to the entire Israelite community. Hear me out here. The Lord, Yahweh, He is the only one true God. No one else. And that's why we got to follow Him. Your life should reflect as if you're following God. But the problem is a lot of people, not just in the U.S., but also in the Philippines, they know the one true God, but they, it doesn't reflect in their life that they're following the one true God. There's a big gap. How can we teach the next generation the right kind of life if we're not living the right kind of life? How can we pass on something that will help them live a long life, fear the Lord, if from us, our lives, it doesn't show? That's why this is a very important message for all of us. Because Moses really is very serious with this. And he continued in verse 5, Okay, now that you know that the Lord, Yahweh, is your God, what do you do about that? You follow him, of course. And what else? Q, let's read this together, verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. You know, the most important words there for me is the one I highlighted. With all. Oh. So it's so easy to say, you know, I love you, God, and I'm going to follow you. There's this, this, this person uh, he said he loves the Lord. I love Jesus so much. He died for me. Wow, he's really a great God. And then he, the person, another person asked him, oh, you really love God? Yeah, I really love God. So you love him enough? You're going to spend time reading his word? Yes, I'm going to spend time. I love reading his word. Yeah, I'm going to do that. You love him so much? Are you going to pray for others? Yes, of course. I love God so much. I'm going to pray for others. You love God so much? Are you going to tell others about Jesus? Yeah, 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 I can do that. Yeah, I love him. You love him so much, you're going to disciple that person that you're, you share the gospel to? Uh, yeah, yeah, I really love the Lord. Yeah, I, I guess so. And then the last question, is: you, do you really love God? You're willing to let go whatever God is, is telling you to let go of? With all. That's what it means. There's no other meaning of that. It's with all. Love the Lord, your God, with all. And the reason why he put that there is because the Israelites were not loving God with all. Yes, they were loving God, but not with all. That's why they got easily distracted. That's why when there were problems, they always complained. I mean, you know that story. A lot of you went to Sunday school. You know what happened to the Israelites even way before. They were always complaining. There's no food, complain. There's no water, complain. And Moses was like, how come? They already saw the miracle. They already saw the parting of the Red Sea. They already saw how God rescued them from the Egyptians. But still, they're not loving God with all. That's a big problem. The reason, that's why we need to learn what was passed on. Act learn that live that out don't just okay i'm listening here i'm knowing it more okay okay so that's what i need to do but you gotta practice it that's what it means moses saying you follow god you love him with all that's the secret that's the summary of all the commandments and look at what happened after that in verse six 
Moses is saying, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So what's our point today? Learn what was passed on and passed on what was learned. Say that with me again so we can remember it. Learn what was passed on and passed on what was learned. Say that to your seatmate. One, two, three, go. Learn what was passed on and passed on what was learned. That's the first point. That's what Moses was saying here. You got to learn this. What do we need to learn, Moses? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all. Follow God. The Lord is our God. He is Yahweh. He is the one. That's who you need to follow. That's the person that you need to love with all. Not the people in this world. Yes, you love them, but the one that you need to love with all is God. The only one with all, with your everything. Because the way you love God will reflect in how you live your life. It's going to reflect in how you live your life. And that's why Moses is saying, okay, these commandments, you got to put this in your heart. You notice that? Put this where in your heart. Because Moses knew that if you put this in your mind, it's not going to work. It's not going to last. You will have a lot of knowledge. And some people will become too proud because they know a lot. You see, that guy is a sinner because he knows what a sin is. You see, that guy, that's why there are a lot of judgmental people because they know a lot and they don't put it in their heart. Because once you live it out, you'll learn that I don't need, I shouldn't judge because doing that, obeying God, is impossible without God because you've experienced it. That's why Moses is saying, don't just know about it. I know you're hearing me out here because people during that time, the Israelites were listening to Moses. When Moses preached, speak, everybody's listening. But not everybody is following. There's a big difference. There's a big gap. So learn what was passed on. But it doesn't end there. Look at what happened after verse 6. This is what Moses said. Impress them. Let's read this together. One, three, go. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. It's a lifestyle. Learn what was passed on. And the second part there is pass on what was learned. Since you've learned all of these things, the next step there, Moses is saying, impress them on your children. Let them know about it. Don't just hide it that I know what to do. I'm not going to share it with you. I know that this is the right kind of life, the life that God is really will, be, will bless. Don't just hide it from them. Pass it on. Talk about it. Don't be afraid. Some people are so afraid to talk it to the next generation. Right? He's reacting. Yeah. You should tell it to me. Okay, so talk about it when you say it. When you, it's a lifestyle. Moses is saying it's a lifestyle. When you say it at home, when you walk along the road, wherever you're going, Tell people about this, especially the next generation, especially the now, because you're going to be the before, and people will look at you. What are you going to do? What are they going to learn? Because the truth about all of us is this one. We all learn something, but the question is, what are we learning, and where are we getting what we learn? We can get it from anywhere. The now generation is being discipled by so many people in the media. They're following whatever is the media is saying. Okay, you do this. This is the kind of life. Divorce is okay. Do that. Go there. This is the real fun life, you know. They are being discipled by others. That's why Moses is saying, don't allow others. Because you're going to enter a new city. You're going to enter there. They're going to have a culture. 
They're going to have some belief system that you don't agree with and God is not pleased with. If you don't teach it to them, if you don't pass it on, guess what is going to happen? That culture will pass it on to them. They're going to be interested because nobody's teaching them. They're going to be interested. Why are you sacrificing your son? I, I like to know that. That's what they will learn. That's why Moses is saying, impress it to them. Talk about it. This is a lifestyle. And you know what I'm realizing? Discipleship is intergenerational. It doesn't end with your generation. Some people are, so, it's, it's so easy to disciple, you know, two years younger than us to three years. When I say intergenerational, it's maybe 10 years or 15 years. What's our point today? Learn what was passed on and pass on what was learned. You see, there's a, there's a big hindrance, the reason why a lot of people, they don't pass it on to others. What are our hindrances? Number one, I don't have time, Marty. I'm, I'm, I'm too busy, eh? It takes a lot of time, you know, passing it on to them. It's a lifestyle. I need to do this. And you say, you know, when you say it's a lifestyle, when they see your life, it reflects that you're following God. When you're driving the freeway, it reflects that you're following God. Right? When you're eating your food or whatever you're doing, it reflects, oh, this guy is really following God. There's something different about this. And you're going to also talk about it. It's both talking about God, about what God has done, and it's about showing it. But again, we have some excuses. I don't have time. What else? Generation gap. I can't relate. Who's Miley Cyrus? I mean, who's Katy Perry? don't know them. I only know Frank Sinatra. And he's no longer here, okay? So what else? They might make fun of me. Right? I mean, it's kind of fun. You know, they, they joke around. You know, I hear young people, they joke around when I walk this way. When I speak like this, they make fun of me. I don't want to be made fun of. You might, some of you might be saying, it's too late, Marty. It's just too late. I'm old. Moses was old. It's never too late. I can't relate to them. It's just so hard. I, how can I break this barrier? There is a way. If you really want to learn how to do it, then there is a way. And what else? You know, some young people, they don't need me. I don't think I can invest my, my life on them. They don't need me. They just want to play around. Let's spend time with them. For the young people, learn to listen. See, this is both ways, both parties. Not just the older people doing something, but even the younger generation, they have to do something. They have to learn from the experts, from the one who lived it out following God. Don't learn it from other things from other people. Don't learn it from the media. It won't do you any good. And for the, for the before generation, do something about it. Don't believe the lie. They don't need me. They just go and watch TV, play computer games, and then try to be with them. Of course, you can't play computer games with them or they're going to beat you in basketball, but you just try to be with them. Those are some practical things. Or you might be saying, well, you know, Marty, that's the youth ministry's role. It's not my role. It's not my responsibility. That's a big lie. The youth ministry cannot solve the problem of a child. Because the reason why some children are very, very problematic, because some parents have failed in discipling them into Christ-likeness. 
The parents, the family is the main source of discipleship, not the youth ministry. We are just here to help out. We are just here to pray, to guide the kids. But it's still the guideline of the parents that is more and more effective. And what else that hinders us? They might become better than us. You know, some people are like that. Especially in corporation, I'm not gonna pass the baton. Why? He's gonna replace me. Okay, no way. Or some pastors are like that. I'm not gonna, you know, pass the baton. Why? I'm not gonna speak anymore. He's gonna be better than me. No, remove that mindset. In fact, effective discipleship is when you are able to disciple someone who's better than you. Not just in the church setting, but also in a corporate setting, also in the business setting. You know, I've never seen any, any parent who would say, nah, I don't want my child to become great, to become better than me. Right? When you have a relationship, you want your child to become better than you. All the parents that I know, that's their mindset. And that should also be our mindset with the other young people that's not part of our family. Because it's so easy to say, you know, this, the next generation, my kids, I want them to become better. But other kids, you don't want them to become better because I want my kids to become better. That's, what, that's our mindset. There's that competition. I don't want others to become better. But our mindset is no. we got to pass it on to them. If they become better, then praise God. So what's our point? Learn what was passed on and passed on what was learned. Say that with me again. One, two, three, go. Learn what was passed on. And passed on what was learned. That's why Moses said this. Impress them on your children. Talk about them. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. And the Israelites, when they read this, when they found out about this, and Moses was teaching them, they were like, okay. And a lot of them learned. In fact, it made a great difference in the nation of Israel. When Moses was about to die and pass away, he, gave, he passed the baton to who? Joshua. So he was able to do that properly. Okay, Josh, this is it. You're the next one in line. It's not going to be me. I'm not going to enter the promised land. But here's the thing. You're going to fight a lot of people. You're going to fight around 31 kings or even more. But you got to do something about this. You got to make it right. The Lord is your God. And not just that, Joshua. You have to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And you know what happened? Joshua learned. That's why if you look at Judges chapter 2, verse 6, this is one example I want to show you. After, let's read this together. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. He did something about it. What was passed on to him, he did something about it. He didn't just know about it. He applied what he learned from Moses. He was that now generation. And look at what happened in, the, in verse 7. The people, let's read this together. Serve the Lord throughout the lifetime. Wow. What a nation. Every single one of them served the Lord in the lifetime of Joshua. That is someone who loved the Lord, his God, with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. And who made a decision that I learned from Moses, I learned from God, I'm God and pass it on to others. That's why every single one of them, even the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel, all of them who had seen that and the generation that were listening to them during that time, they were all following God. And you know, during that time, they won the war. 
They won every battle. Of course, there's some battle, that, a small battle that they lost, but generally, they conquered 31 kings. That's the story. God fought for them. They, they saw the power of God. They saw how their land has been increasing, expanding, and expanding, all because every single one of them, they, in their minds and in their hearts, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart. And I'm going to tell people, the next generation, hey guys, we have to do this. Look at what's happening now. For a long time, they were at war. But they were victorious because they served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua. See, that's God's blessing. We read it in Deuteronomy. But if you do these things, Moses is saying, you're going to fear the Lord, live a righteous life, an orderly life. He's going to give you long life and enjoy it. It's be full of blessings. Yes, there's going to be trials, but you will see God's hand in spite of all those things. You know, I ask my friend when I'm with to share his testimony, how important it is to really pass on the baton because he had that same kind of experience. So why don't we welcome and hear from our brother, Dan Karenda. Good morning, everyone. Everyone doing good today? All right, so my name is Dan and uh, I lead the youth in CCF Alabang. So it's uh, another center of CCF in the southern part of Metro Manila. Uh, my life is really a testimony that God can use weak and imperfect people to do great and mighty things for His glory. And that making disciples not only has the potential and power to change one person's life, but to change the entire world. Do you believe that? Alright, so, well, in my final years as a student, alright, in college, I set my eyes on really working as a professional musician while uh, establishing a business on the side. So it's like... Uh, doing my first uh, love while getting rich on the side. So I really looked very different. I had long hair before. And uh, most of my college years, I really invested here. I met people in the industry. Uh, whenever I had uh, breaks, uh, I studied in the Ateneo. I would go to UP College of Music to uh, uh, sit in classes. This was really the love of my life. Uh, but the purpose of my life was really selfish. It was all about myself. Now, uh, my past life was even worse than this. Uh, I really lived a very different life. I went to church because I was born in a family who apparently were Christians. Christians naman sila, okay? Uh, <laughs> Christians sila, okay? Uh, but I went to church every Sunday. I prayed. I read the Bible. I did the rituals like everyone else who attended. Uh, I went uh, every Sunday looking uh, clean and neat, uh, looking behaved, but I really lived a very different life in school. I cursed a lot. I was rude. I was very arrogant. I really had no friends all throughout high school. No one wanted to invite me to their group meetings because I, uh, I had a very bad attitude during field trips. No one wanted to sit beside me. It was a terrible high school experience. Yes, uh, to the point that I actually committed suicide. Um, when I was in high school, I think second year, I stood, because there, we, uh, there was a five-story building in our subdivision. So, because we had problems at home and, you know, my life in school, it, it was so broken, I really had no friends. I, I said that my life is no longer worth living. So one morning, I stood uh, on top of the five-story building and I was ready to jump. 
and ready to end my life. Because I said, my life is meaningless. Pero naisip ko, baka masakit. <laughs> so, so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but it didn't stop there. So what I did, I no, I really, okay, this might be funny to some of you, but this is really what I did. So what I did was, I got my uh, my grandfather's vitamin C. It was ascorbic acid. Yung masakit sa dila, you know that, in the bottle. And uh, what I did was I overdosed and I fell asleep and then I woke up. I realized vitamin C does not kill you. <laughs> okay, but, uh, sorry. But, uh, <laughs> but I was just thinking about it. What would, <laughs> sorry. Akala ko talaga mamatay ako eh, pero, but I just thought about it and I was, I was thinking what would it take for a high school student to think that his life is no longer worth living. Uh, even after I met Christ, I wasn't discipled continually, so I had an up and down life. Uh, I, I went into relationships with uh, uh, wrong relationships. I did things I shouldn't have done. I hurt people I shouldn't have hurt. I wasn't serious with my studies. Even when my, uh, when, uh, in my very first visit to J-Zone, Elevate, uh, the, the youth ministry of CCF was still called J-Zone then, I went because I was attracted to someone. All right? That was my motivation. But then someone chose to pass the baton to me. Someone chose to disciple me. I went uh, in there. I had long hair. And, you know, I gave him a hard time. You know, many times... I was the one who talked the most during the group meetings. May kilala po ba kayong ganon? Sa small group meetings, ang daldal. <laughs> hindi maka-cut maka yung leader. Uh, Paghihinga. Okay, thank you. Ganon, parang ganon. Uh, many, many times, I really did not show up. Uh, he would call me persistently. Hindi ako nagpapakita sa D-group meetings. And this guy, you know, I brought him so, many, so much discouragement. Uh, there, were, there was a time I had to move on to another small group. Many times, sobrang kulit ko, nakakainis. Very irritating. You know people like that? Okay. Very irritating. Uh, sobrang kulit. I would call all the time and ask so many questions. Um, many times I was ungrateful, but these people who discipled me by God's grace stuck it out with me and were committed to pass the baton on to me, to disciple me and mentor me. Now, uh, in my first J-Zone retreat, that's when I received God's calling to go full-time. And after that, I started my own small group. So this is my small group. Uh, three years ago, uh, I really didn't know how. My leader said, you know what? You talk a lot. Why don't you start your own small group? <laughs> and uh, during that time, we didn't have any training. So I didn't know what to do. My disciples, they were a lot, 30 of them. I, I didn't have time for them. And and you know, I didn't really know what to do, but my leader said, you know, just, just mentor them, just disciple them. And, and I would spend time with them. I would invest my life in them. It was not really easy, isn't it? Uh, I invested time, um, resources, strength. Many times, malilibre ng pamasahe, pagkain. Uh, there were times when I would ask them, how are your struggles? Are you still struggling? How was your struggle with lust? Uh, and then... In one week, I would say, come on, guys, let's do this. It's time to change. I would cry. And then the next week, how are you? Ganun pa rin. Paulit-ulit. And uh, many times, it was really, really discouraging. But God used this experience to mold me and to deepen my relationship with Him. This, this was the time when uh, I learned to pray. I learned to really bow 
uh, and commit my disciples to God. I will write in my journal and pray, pray for them, each of them every week. By God's grace today, from this group of men, this was, our, this was only some of my disciples during a recent retreat. Uh, my discipleship group has multiplied from around uh, 20 uh, or 10 committed disciples to more than 126 disciples. So these are some of them. Mo some of my disciples are the one leading uh, worship, exhorting. Uh, and by God's grace, my disciples, I pass the baton to them. They pass the baton to their own disciples. And some of their disciples are passing it to the fourth generation. So it's by God's grace, 126 plus disciples to the fourth generation. That's uh, what God is doing. And not only that, God is graciously using my life to impact the lives of thousands of other young people. This is the anniversary of our youth ministry in CCF Alabang. Uh, this is a normal youth service for us, three to 400 students every Saturday, a retreat. You know, it's amazing. I, I, no one really thought, and I really didn't think that God would use me, all right, to impact the lives of thousands of young people. But someone, in spite of all my imperfections and weaknesses, chose to disciple me, chose to pass the baton to me. And now, by God's grace, I'm passing the baton not just to, the, to my disciples, but to thousands of young people in our country. If God could do it with me, how many of you believe God can do it to the person beside you? All right? So to God be the glory. Praise God. Praise God. Can we give God a round of applause? That's why it's very, very important to pass it on to others. That's what happened here in Judges. They experienced that kind of blessing. It can happen to you. But you know what happened? It didn't end in verse 7. Of course, like any other leader, Joshua died. And the other elders, they died. And in verse 10, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Not just that. This generation did evil in the eyes of the Lord, served the Baals. What just happened? They've experienced God's power, His love, His miracle. They defeated all the kings, but what happened? See, it's going to go two ways. It's either you're going to pass the baton properly, and they're going to live it out. Or it's either you're not going to be able to do that. And they're going to fall. What's going to be your choice? Let's read that together again. Learn what was passed on and pass on what was learned. You know what? In the end of Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is what Moses said. In the future, this is what he wrote. When your son asks you, when, it's not if. Meaning to say, eventually they're going to ask you. Eventually they're going to ask what's happening in your life. Eventually they're going to notice what are you doing with, with your life. When your son asks you, when the next generation asks you, what are you doing? Why are you living that way? Would you be able to, would, you, would they ask something like this? What is the meaning of the stipulation, decrees, and laws of the Lord our God has commanded you? Would they ask, why are you living that way? How come you're so loving? How come you can easily forgive? How come you're so passionate for God? How come you're obeying the Lord? That's what it means, that verse. Will they ask you something like that? Will they ask you, why are you serving the Lord? Or will they ask you another question? 
will they say, how come you're, you don't have time with me? How come you're always away? How come you attend church and you're really good, but after that, you're, I don't see you love us. What are they going to ask? What testimony are you going to say? Will you say this in verse 21? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. You know what Moses is saying here? This is their testimony. You're the now generation. This is what you say. You know what God has done in my life? He rescued me. The reason why I'm so passionate for Jesus, the reason why I'm so passionate for the Lord, because it changed my life. Just what, like, hap what happened to Dan. And just what, like, what happened to a lot of us here. We experience God's transformation, His amazing love, Him being the great God who loves us, doesn't judge us, doesn't condemn us, and who changed and transformed our life. You see, we won't be able to say something like this if we are not sincerely believing that God loves us. If there is no change in our life, it's not going to happen. And that's why, as the, at the end of this Deuteronomy chapter 6, this is what Moses is writing. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees to fear the Lord our God so that we might always... Look at the blessing. It's going to go two ways. Either you're going to pass it on properly or not. But when you pass it on properly, this is the promise. You will always prosper. What do we mean by always prosper? Is that prosperity gospel? No, what that means is what good for you, what is good for you, God will provide. Whatever you need, God will provide. The original text is saying what is good, that's what God will give, not whatever you want. That's what it means. You will always have what is good, meaning to say God will make a decision and not give you something that's not good for you. That's why for single people, if God is not giving you God's best, or whoever that guy is, is not good for you, okay? So that's what it means there. And not just that, and be kept alive. In the original text, it means survive. Meaning to say, guys, we will all experience trials, tribulations, problems in this world. That's what Moses was saying to the Israelites. Guess what? You will have problems. You will have some persecution happening in your life. There will be things you don't like. You will never understand. But when you fear the Lord, follow His decrees, and when you pass it on, you will always prosper and you will survive. You will be kept alive. As is the case today. And last verse there. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as He has commanded us, that, will be our righteousness, what is pleasing to God. Look at the blessing. It's so worth it to pass it on to the next generation. That's why what's our point? Learn what was passed on and pass on what was learned. As I close, there's this true story of this young man. This young man has been a Christian for a long time. And when he was in high school, he started serving the Lord. In his college, he started serving the Lord. But after he graduated, something happened. He got distracted. He got into a relationship. Uh, it was not pleasing to God. And he stopped serving the Lord. He was so preoccupied with other things. And God disciplined him, moved him away from that church, moved him away from that ministry. And the God humbled that young man. Then he went to a new church. He started all over again. And there was this more mature guy, 
I don't want to say older, but yeah, a little older guy, more mature guy who's decided, I'm going to disciple this young man. So this more mature guy spent time with this person. They had a discipleship relationship. And the young man decided, okay, I need to humble myself. I know I've been a Christian for a long time, but I fell. I made a mistake. I, I, I disobeyed God. That's what happened to this young man. I need to humble myself. I need to learn. So he was, he was discipled by this older guy, and he just was so humble to spend time and learn from this person, and he applied what he learned. And this older person said, okay, this is what you need to do. You go through this, you do that, and then he did that. And this older person said, okay, you minister here, you do this ministry, you go to this part of a group here, and you start going here. And then he did all of those things. That's what his, that's what his story is. And there was a time that that older person, that more mature person, had to leave and pass the baton. And he passed that baton to that younger man. And that younger man is standing in front of you. You see, that, that person that I was talking about is none other than Pastor I. He decided... And he's going to pass on the baton. Me. He decided, I'm going to spend time with this person. Because I'm, I'm not going to last forever. I need to pass on what I learned. You see, that is discipleship. That is what God wants. You learn what was passed on to you. But you got to pass on what you have learned. And that's my prayer for all of us here, that it's never going to end in this generation because CCFLA, it's going to grow. That's what I believe. It's going to expand. It's going to multiply. But my question is, my question is for you and for the next generation, will you be part of that? Will God use you to be part of that great work? Now let me pray for you. Why don't we bow our heads? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for speaking to all of us. Thank you, Lord God, for your amazing promise that you promised, Lord, great things to us. And all you want us to do is to learn from you, to learn what it means to love you with all of our hearts and to apply it, Lord, in our lives. And forgive us, Lord. Maybe some of us are kind of lost. Maybe some of us are so distracted. Maybe some of us are, when we look at our lives, yes, we know you in our heads, but in our hearts, it's just not there. Forgive us for that, Lord. I pray that there will be a generation, not just the now generation, but even the before generation, that every single one of us would make that constant choice to love you with all of our hearts, to follow you, the one true God, that it will reflect in our lives so that when the next generation look at us and see us, they would really see and know that we are your, your, your children, that we are followers of the one true God that they would see the amazing difference, that the next generation wouldn't seek other things, wouldn't seek other, from other people, wouldn't seek knowledge or lifestyle from other things, Lord, but they would seek to learn from us. I pray that every single person here will have that kind of heart, that we would all make that choice to follow you, to love you. And I pray that you continue to bless the young people here, the next generation. I pray that they would also, in turn, 
pass this to others because later on, they're going to be the before generation. Some of the young people, the next future generation would ask them. They will. And I pray that they will be ready to answer the way you have changed their lives, the way you have transformed them. Lord, teach us to learn what has been passed on to us and to pass this on to others. We give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I didn't know that he was going to share that. That was between him and I. But it's my privilege. As he showed that slide there, I believe he has been the better one. Amen? That's what we should do. Many of us don't want to invest the time because what if he becomes better? I only have one regret in my discipleship relationship with Marty. I told him when you preach, right? Don't be so shy. Don't be so timid. You know, you have to let the passion, the fire go out of you. He has not listened to me one bit. Let's pray for these two young men, shall we? Father God, thank you for the message that you brought through these two young men who has faithfully committed their lives to serving you. Thank you, Lord God, for Marty and his model and his leadership of CCF Maine and also for Dan and his leadership in CCF Alabang. Father, indeed, if we just remain faithful to you, you will multiply the work of our hands. Father, I pray for Marty as his wife, uh, Astrid, is expecting that you take good care of his wife and their future child. And I pray, Lord God, that as we dismiss them, they're going to San Diego, that you will walk before them, that you will open the doors that you want them to go through, and that you will sustain them and bring them back, Lord, to the Philippines, to the main church, Lord, with a renewed passion and vigor to really minister to the next generation, Lord God, who will pass the baton. Father, thank you for their example. Thank you for their faithfulness as we lift them up to you, Lord God. Hold them in the hollow of your hands as we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. let's give God the glory this morning.